Uh, my name is Trevor Romain. I'm the president of the Trevor Romain Company and co-founder of the Comfort Crew for Military Kids. So my first question is, what inspired you to, you know, basically dedicate your life to help kids? You know, it, it was one of those, those things that happen when you're young and you don't realize it's an aha moment, but it sits in the back of your head somewhere. Uh, I, uh, when I was in the military, had uh, an experience once where I went into a, a hospital to visit a friend of mine who'd been injured, who was also in the service. And there were a bunch of little kids in the hospital, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds who were very sick. Some had been injured too. And I had taken a shortcut to visit my friend, found myself in the children's ward by accident, knew nothing about children in those days. I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. I walked past one of the beds, which had a few kids on because there wasn't enough room. And uh, a little boy put his arms up to me as I walked by. And I'm in my uniform and I think I'm really this big deal soldier, you know, and this little chap couldn't have been more than five years old, very badly uh, injured legs, reached up to me and he asked me to hold him. And I um, <laughs> didn't know what to do. I looked around in a panic and there were no adults in the room at the time. And he asked me again if I could please hold him. And something triggered very deep inside me, just this, this wash of empathy. And I I took off my backpack and uh, I bent down and I picked up this little boy and he put his arms around me and he just wouldn't let go. And he buried his little face right here in my neck and he started to cry. And that little boy's tears ran down my cheek and my neck and into my shirt and touched my heart. And I, it was very profound, but I went off, did my thing, but kept on hearing that voice in the back of my head. And I was in advertising for a while, directing TV commercials. And then one day I just decided that um, I was really tired of trying to go convince people to buy things they didn't need <laughs> and decided, <laughs> decided to, uh, to listen to that call and started writing, creating children's books, children's material. And that's, that's basically how it started uh, 35 years ago about by now. So what are some of the things that motivate you to continue to help kids grow? Uh, I, I spend quite a lot of time visiting kids at hospitals. I, I'm very proud to have served on the board of the American Childhood Cancer Organization for a number of years. And just, just seeing kids, seeing kids who are struggling and very few people even know about it. And that's what happened with, with the Comfort Crew. I started working with the USO, touring US military bases and talking to kids uh, at schools, their, their schools on our military bases overseas. And I just realized that on top of difficulties that kids have normally growing up, these kids had extra difficulties. Their parents were, were deployed. When their parents came back, things were different. Uh, kids had to move every three years. And that's traumatic. You know, it, it's, it's hard enough being a kid, but these thrown in. So um, I, I felt a very strong calling to, to try and see if we could help these kids manage their lives a little easier, just with a few tools and, you know, an understanding of what they're going through. And uh, that's how we, how we started. That's the seed that grew into the comfort crew. So when I was uh, 
researching the organization, I went on the website and I uh, watched one of the videos and one of the, the lines really struck me is they don't choose to serve, but sacrifice so much. So how important is it to, you know, give these kids in military bases a voice to, you know, know they're not alone? Yeah, I, I, well, I think it's, it's very important because, you know, we have 2 million military kids in this country. And even though, you know, we pulled back out of Afghanistan, our troops are being deployed all the time. You know, the Navy gets deployed every six months about, and they're gone for six months. We have people all over the world. And as the general public go about their business, they just don't realize how hard it is to be sitting at home and knowing that a parent is defending uh, this country, our country, and uh, and these kids are, are carrying a lot of the weight. Uh, people always say to me, so, so why do you do this? Well, I, I'm an American by choice. And uh, having met so many of these, these service members, it's so hard for them too to leave their kids behind. Anybody who has kids, even if they go on a business trip, it's difficult. So uh, we feel that these kids need extra support. And, uh, and that's, that's why we're around. We, we want them to be able to become resilient, learn from the experience, and uh, you know, not, not be left behind socially and emotionally. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, the programs and what you do for uh, the organization? Sure. So what we have, uh, our kit, we've developed kits. We have a grief kit, we have a deployment kit, a reintegration kit, we have a kit uh, for kids who, um, whose parents may have visible or invisible injuries. And in these kits, we have journals with prompts. So kids can write down what they feel. Um, uh, there's in, in the deployment kit, there's postcards. And we explain to kids that there is something called the mail that you can put something with a stamp on, which is kind of a, a nice, unique way for the kids to, uh, to connect with their parents. There is a video in each one, an animated half-hour video, which deals with that particular topic. And we, we spent a lot of time creating those, those videos. And, and, you know, an example of how this works is I, I was at a school once and all the kids got deployment kits. In, in the kit is the journal and we, we urge them to write down what they're feeling. You know, research is showing that when you write down what you're feeling, it helps you to process it better than just thinking of the solution. And I always tell kids, I don't know how it works, but it really works. And um, I got an email a, a while after that, and a little girl said, Dear Mr. Trevor, when you came to our school, you gave us deployment kits, and I wrote my feelings in my journal. When my daddy came back from being deployed, I showed him my journal, and my daddy started to cry. When my daddy started to cry, that's when I knew my daddy got his feelings back. And when my daddy got his feelings back, that's when I knew I got my daddy back. And simply writing down what she felt in a little journal brought that family together. And it's not rocket science. You know, there's just a few tips and tricks that we've known through experience over working with the kids over the last, you know, multiple years that we have put into practice to help them uh, with their, their, their daily military life. 
So how important is it to just as adults listen to kids than, uh, you know, tell them what to do, if you yeah. will? <laughs> well, what, what we do as adults, we do. We tell kids what we think they need to hear instead of listening to what they're asking for. And what do we do often? We say to kids, it's going to be okay. That doesn't fix what that little person is dealing with. What it does, it makes us feel like we've said something to comfort them. But what it does is it, it leaves them it leaves them alone. It leaves them knowing that sometimes adults say it's going to be okay, but how do you know it's going to be okay? And so what I think is really important about listening to them is validating what they are feeling. Because oftentimes uh, knowing that somebody knows how you feel uh, without actually saying, I know how you feel by, and I always say, say to parents, try and share an experience you've had that's similar so that it lets the kids know that you've been in a similar situation. And it's not that you're trying to be an adult and say, okay, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. So we, we think it's really important to, 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 to listen. And, you know, th there are some very simple ways to do that. And one of them is to, you know, sit one-on-one -on -one with a child and put your cell phone away, you know, <laughs> uh, or not have the TV on. You know, just very simple uh, tips uh, and tricks like that. Yeah. So what are the, some of the things you've learned from these military kits? Oh, goodness. I, I've, I've learned that uh, if, you, if you are moving uh, to a different place, find out about where you're going and turn it into an adventure. Uh, and, and that's actually what I did personally when I, when I decided to move to Hawaii. You know, it, it, it's, it sounds great. You move from the mainland to, to, to an island. What, what, you know, it's still a nerve-wracking nerve thing. So I found out about where I was going to live, what kind of things I could do in the, in the, in the area, how I could volunteer and, and make a difference where I was moving to. I learned that from a, from a military kid who, uh, who was helping other kids uh, deal in a deployment camp that I went to, a deployment group for, for, for little kids. So that's one of the things. The other thing that I learned uh, over time is that little by little, a little becomes a lot. You, you can't achieve something in a day. You can't learn to be a marathon runner in one day. You, you, you can't acquire all your friends in one day. You learn to, to love something little by little. And so a little by little, by little it all becomes a lot. And that, that's something that I, uh, I've sort of learned over the years with uh, being with military kids. Yeah. So when I was uh, researching, uh, in your, your books and in your speeches, you use a lot of humor. How is, and it makes a lot of sense, how important is humor to pe these kids' feelings? Uh, to me, uh, so an in, interesting fact, I, I am dyslexic and uh, have struggled with ADD my whole life. And uh, I, I had a, a dad who was just a very funny uh, humorous guy who, who helped me see the lighter side of some of the struggles I was having. And when I started creating books, I, I wrote a book called How to Do Homework Without Throwing Up, another book called Bullies Are a Pain in the Brain. So using uh, humor helps me to uh, break the ice with many kids. Like if, if I visit a child in hospital who has cancer, the first thing I'll do is say something, say something funny 
And uh, what, what, I, what I often tell parents is you, you can even have jokes that you have put aside in your little mental Rolodex that if there is a, a real tough situation to throw out a, a one-line joke, it, it neutralizes things. And, um, you know, uh, laughter is the best medicine. And uh, so often I've been in tense situations and say something absolutely ridiculous and the children burst out laughing. You're like, well, okay. Well, here's, here's a perfect example. I was at a school the other day and the kids did not want to have a lecture from some old dude. Uh, they, it was close to home time. And I got up there and I said, hey, listen, guys, I want to tell you something. Yeah, I, st I struggled at school. I, I'm, I'm a little guy. I, I was very short at school. In fact, I was so short, I had to climb on a chair just to reach puberty. <laughs> Those kids... They laughed so hard and I had them. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to sit on the floor and listen to me. But the minute I said that, oh, my goodness, all eyes were on me and the talk went off fantastically. And uh, so I, I found that, uh, you know, using humor, it really, it, it does sometimes take the hardness off uh, some of the edges that these kids uh, are experiencing. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh... With um, my company, the Paizetta Media, we do, like, if you could describe us in one word, we want to do uh, empathy. So I see that a lot of on your website and all that. So how important at a young age to understand what other people are going through? Um, I, I think it's critical. I think we would have a different world today if, uh, if, if people could be kinder. And, and I, I always say to, to kids that um, kindness is a superpower because when you are kind to someone else, when you are giving to somebody else, it gives your life more value. So if you are helping someone out, if you're volunteering, if you see somebody being bullied, if you know somebody's new in a school and you go up to them and say, hey, I know you're new, Come, let me show you around. Uh, that, and I tell kids, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're going through a really hard time, being kind to somebody else actually helps you to feel better. Even if you are having a really blue, sad day, if you're grieving. Uh, and, and, and that's one of the things we, we, we try and, um, and share with them in, 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 you know, through different media, whether it's through the kits, whether it's through, through television, uh, you know, podcasts, you know, whatever. We, we, we want them to know that kindness can change the world. I always say to kids, hey, do me a favor. Don't wait for grown-ups to change the world. They take too long and they have too many meetings. You, you guys can change the world. And, and, I, and I say to kids in, in the room, when I'm in this big auditorium, I say, when you walk out of these doors, you guys have got two options only, only two options. Option number one, you walk out of this door, the same person who walked in. Easy, no problem. Option number two, you can walk out of this door and say, I'm going to be a kinder more respectful, uh, better person. I see somebody teasing someone else. I'm actually going to stop it. I'm not going to say something to put someone down. I'm not going to be rude to an adult. Uh, I, I am going to be a kinder person. And your life will change if you walk out of the door and choose to be a kinder person. And, uh, and I challenge them. I triple dog dare them to make a difference in someone else's life. And my goodness me, you, you, when their hands go up and say, I can do it. I can do it. And I say, you know what? It's, it's so much easier to be mean and so much easier just, you know, just to put people down. 
It takes courage to be kind, especially to people who maybe somebody else doesn't like. Right. That, and, and, and I dare you to do that because that shows me strength, courage, and, uh, and great character. And I love the fact that they, they take that challenge. Yeah, I have a, a seven-year-old and four-year-old, and I've learned so much through them with, you know, the kindness that, you know, people aren't born. There's <laughs> one of them. Look at that kind smile, you see. Yes, this is my daughter, Patty. Hey, Patty, how's your summer going? Good. Okay, so I've got a question for you. What is... Black, then white, then black, then white, then black, then white, then black, then white. It is a penguin rolling down a hill. <laughs> ah. So that's my, that's my, so summer going good? Yes. Um, yeah. How many more weeks? What? Until the end of oh, we're going to Disney World in four Ooh, weeks. In four weeks. Oh, boy. I bet you cannot wait. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably can't sleep even properly. It's exciting, isn't it? Well, wow. I want to ask you some, Petty. How important is kindness? Um, it's important if we didn't have kindness, nothing would be here today. Or we would be all split up like we used to. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's very that's very good. I, I'm glad that you know about that because it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing, kindness. And and you know what? It does, it's easy to share kindness. It, it it's renewable. It doesn't run out. So you can share. That's what I tell kids. You can share kindness. As many times as you like, and you won't run out. It, it comes back every morning when you wake up. It's you're full. So, uh, uh, my uh, reporter assistant. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, and and, and, uh, and she knows what she's talking about. Yes. So that's the big thing of giving. Of what you guys do is, you know, giving children a voice and you know, not talk down to. How important is that to not be talk down to kids? Well, to, to me, it's, it's, it's really critical because uh, when we do talk down to kids, they get defensive uh, immediately. And when you are defensive, you don't hear what anybody's saying. All you're thinking about is how do I get out of the situation? Or uh, I'm thinking about something else because somebody's trying to trying to lecture to me something like that. What I do often is when I, when I talk to kids, I will kneel down to be on their eye level because, you know, if you're leaning over somebody, a little, a little four, five, six, seven-year-old, any adult is big. When they're looming over and, and, and sort of prodding you with questions, it's very hard to, 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 to be heard and to, to, to sort of be at that same level. And I'll give you a perfect example. I, I had the privilege of going to the Congo, Rwanda, Burundi, to work with former child soldiers with the United Nations and, and UNICEF. And we were in a refugee camp one day. And when you walk into these camps, and there's a hundred children come and they want to hold your hands. You know, there's, there's, they, there's, there's not enough skin to go around. They need, right. And they need some, <laughs> some loving. So uh, these kids all come running out 
and they grab your hands and I've got my hands full of kids. One little boy put his finger through my belt loop. Smart dude. He was like, okay, I know how I'm going to hang on to this because one of the workers came with a rolled up newspaper and he swatted all the kids away to, to leave the, you know, the, the, this group of us who were touring the, the refugee camp. And he was trying to get the little boy's finger off my belt loop. And I said, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Let him be there. And he says, okay. So this little guy is probably five or six. He walked around with his finger through my belt loop the whole day. And later in the afternoon, uh, he, through the interpreter and through you know, understanding a little bit of what he was trying to say, he wanted to ask me a question. Now, all of these kids were refugees from Rwanda, I believe. They didn't have any parents. They were orphans. So the, the, the interpreter says he wants to ask you a question. So I said, okay. So I kneeled down and I looked at him directly in the face, in his eyes. And he said, can you help me find my mommy? I was about to answer him. And one of the workers said, I told you, we're going to find all your mommies one day. Okay. And I, I put up my hand. I said, whoa, 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 hang on. I said to the little boy, where do you think your mommy is? He goes, oh, she died. She's in heaven. I said, oh, you know what? My dad died too. And tonight when I say my prayers to my dad, I'm going to ask him to find your mommy and tell her you love her and you will never forget her, okay? This little boy got the biggest smile. He says, thank you, thank you, merci, merci. And he throws his arms around my leg and, and hugging me. He was fine. He ran off to play soccer with the other kids who were playing soccer with a rolled up ball of T-shirts. And he was so happy. All that little boy needed was validation. Not somebody telling him what they thought he needed to hear or how to run his life. He needed somebody to be uncomfortable enough to be in that place with him. And that's what I've learned from, from all these kids is how to sit in that very uncomfortable place uh, without it becoming about me. Uh, which is very difficult, but you know, little by little, I've, I've learned how to be in that uncomfortable place where you cannot fix something, but by listening and validating, you can help them figure out where they need to go and what they need to do with what they're struggling with. And that's a yeah. very important skill to help people. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I want to ask is where do you want to see uh comfort crew for military kids in the next five years? I would love to see um, us being in a position where, where we could have funding that didn't have us scrambling year after year to be able to uh, get the contributions to be able to give away these kits. We're a very small organization. There's only two or three people and volunteers that, that work in it. We're a national organization. And we've given away 350,000 of those kits free. Wow. So we don't want any military family to have to pay for the kits. So we raise the money uh, to, to provide the kits. In those kits are little teddy bears. We've given 350,000 of those teddy bears away. So uh, our dream, my dream is to be able to be in a situation where we, we can have the money uh, and, and possibly in an endowment or in a trust where we can build it up so we can focus on getting, we have a waiting list, uh, you know, a, a unit will deploy and they've got a thousand soldiers so that they request a thousand kits. So we have a waiting list that, you know, we can only give when we, when we 
we get the funding and uh, you know there's some wonderful organizations uh, that have been helping us there's a wounded warrior project the HEB foundation there are a few organizations that that uh, you know give us grants but you know it, it's it's one of these things we have to work for annually so i would like to 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 expand the the the, the support from businesses and um and and get to that point where we can serve everybody we'd like to so how can people uh, reach out to you? Well, uh, uh, comfortcrew.org. Uh, it's got all the information, uh, how, how people can help, uh, how people can support. And um, the, the, uh, our um, executive director, I'll say that in English, our executive director, uh, Angie Salyer, is just, just a wonderful, amazing human being. Uh, the, the, the person who I co-founded the Comfort Crew with uh, Rhonda Englander, she has sadly passed away just a couple of years ago of cancer, which was very aggressive. But she was a gold star child. Her dad died in Vietnam and she never grieved uh, for her dad. It was too painful. And when we started creating our grief kits, she, you know, in her in her late 30s, uh, started to to grieve for her dad and uh, that's how the comfort crew became an entity uh, because she wanted to serve kids who, who were like her, who maybe didn't have the support that, uh, you know, that she didn't have uh, when she was younger. So uh, that's in a nutshell, the best way is comfortcrew.org. And uh, we, we respond to every query, every question, and, and, and we would love people to, to get behind this with us so we can serve those kids.